0: I had a huge fear, and the big fear, and I'm going to be honest with you, the big fear was I've got a surname that nobody can pronounce. It's not a Smith, it's not a Williams, it's not a Cole, it's Okorafo. No one can pronounce my name almost. So my big imposter syndrome was how do I put my African, my Nigerian name on the homepage of a website that so many people are going
1: are gonna to visit? Can we agree? That leadership isn't based on title or position. I have created this podcast to talk to everyday people who lead in extraordinary ways in their everyday lives, both professionally and personally, in the hope that it will inspire everyday people like you and me to realize we are everyday leaders. Welcome to Everyday Leadership. Becoming financial independent is something a lot of people aspire to do And today my guest has done exactly that At the age of 33 That means he has enough wealth to live on For as long as he needs it Without working He wasn't born rich He didn't inherit money or go to a private school So how did he do it? That is the question I ask him today We also talk about quitting his job during a pandemic We talk about his family, his faith, we talk about racism and why it was so important to have a black person talking about personal finance, even though there was a lack of representation. You're going to enjoy today's value-packed episode as always. Welcome to Everyday Leadership. This morning, I have the pleasure of speaking to Ken Okorafo from the Humble Penny. How are you doing, Ken? Hey, man. I am great. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here
0: to have a, just have a candid chat.
1: Now, you're going to find out a lot about, about Ken, and I'm actually going to dive into, into what I call the deep end a little bit. Yeah. It's because Ken has achieved what I will say a lot of people are striving to still achieve right now, and he's achieved financial independence. At the, I think he did that at 34, if I'm 34, correct. 2017, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go straight into it. How did you <laughs> want
0: to do it <laughs> possible? Ah, <laughs> uh, well... It's funny you refer to it as the impossible because I I just think it's completely possible. But it's completely possible if it's something you have as what I call your North Star goal. So I just think a lot of us almost process through life without an overarching goal that we're trying to achieve. And for me and my wife, Mary, that overarching goal uh, started off as achieving a form of financial freedom in our lives. And that started in 2009. So if we didn't have that as a goal at all, it would not be something we'd focus on. So I just wanted to just highlight that as a kind of a high level thought, just for people to almost question themselves and ask themselves, what's my North Star goal? Is there a goal, an overarching goal that I'm trying to achieve? And if I've got a partner, husband, wife, or a long-term partner, are they on board with that goal? Um, because that goal then ties massively into what I, I refer to as your life's vision. And without without having that financial independence or informal financial freedom, it's just a, it's just a phantom idea because you know you would not be actively working towards it.
1: So you currently run um, the humble Penny. Uh-huh. Let's um, delve into what is The Humble Penny and how does that actually link into the financial goal that you just talked about that you achieved? Okay, so
0: The Humble Penny is started life as a blog. It's a personal finance site that I started off and then my wife joined me later on uh, fully in support, but started off to talk about money in in a way that I hadn't seen talked about. So first of all, I wanted to talk about money in plain English. As somebody who has a finance background, there's so much jargon out there. I just wanted to talk about it in a way that even my mum would understand. Um, but I just wanted to talk about it from the perspective of a of a of a black African dad. I just hadn't found someone like me running a personal finance website, and. I had the imposter syndrome that came with that, and that's, that's a totally different conversation. But the humble penny, in short, is a personal finance site that we've created specifically to help families work towards creating financial independence in their lives. And so we we create content across all the key areas, whether it's career maximisation, whether it's making money, whether it's creating side hustles. Uh, savings, investing. We create content across all those areas for free. So the humblepenny.com is entirely free. Uh, but then the humble penny is also a business. So um, we, we have a sister company called Financial Joy Academy, which we launched this year, which then uh, essentially provides premium content
1: on the same topic. So seeing, like you just said right now, as a black man, you didn't see that done at all. mm mm-hmm it wasn't, there was no representation. So what made you, one, think that actually there's a gap in the market for this, and two, think that I can actually fill that gap in the market because mm-hmm. you don't see something done. It's always, like you said, that imposter syndrome thinking, well, actually, if it hasn't been done before, there must be a reason why. Mm-hmm. So am I actually doing something that I'm gonna fail at or what, what was your, your thought pattern around that?
0: So that's interesting because that thought began at 36,000 feet on a flight from London to Oaks, to Philadelphia Airport, I was going to, I was working internationally for a company in Oaks, Pennsylvania. And I was flying and I was looking out the window and it looked so beautiful. And I kept asking asking myself, like, you know, I don't know if you've ever just had that glance into 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 the skies when you're up there. You think to yourself like I could be doing much more with my life. And I was having that thought and I thought, do you know what? I've got so many skills that I just feel a line dormant and it just being used for my employer. And I'd been reading other blogs, I've been following other blogs to learn about things, just kind of what people are writing about and what people are more importantly not writing about. And I couldn't see a single blog out there from a UK perspective anyway that was covering this topic, this particular niche that I've been, I've had this passion for with my wife since 2009 when we met. And I, because we'd been on the journey ourselves, we knew a lot about this journey already because we've been optimizing a great deal of our lives for financial independence. So I thought, well, if there isn't a site with a specific focus on I didn't want a general personal finance site. I wanted to niche down into this area. So I looked at all the other sites. And to be honest, they were being run by specifically, more specifically, white men. And a lot of them were my actually my friends, people I'd, gr- I'd grown to know because I read their blogs. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to try and start something. And my wife and I had a brainstorm on names and after doing a few brainstorms, the, the words, the humble penny came up. Actually, my wife came up, with, actually came up with the name. So we searched for it, and it was available. I had a huge fear. And the big fear, and I'm going to be honest with you, the big fear was, I've got a surname that nobody can pronounce. It's not a Smith. It's not a Williams. It's not a Cole. It's a Corrafo. No one can pronounce my name almost. So my big imposter syndrome was, how do I put my African, my Nigerian name, on the homepage of a website that so many people are gonna are gonna visit. So if you visit the humblepainter.com, first thing you see is a photo of me. That took me, that took me weeks to get past the confidence to put that photo on the homepage because I just lacked the belief that I was the person who could do this. So for a long time, that site didn't have a photo of me on the homepage, but I had to make a statement, which is, I want you to see that this site's been run by a Black man. And as you start to go through this site, you see that it's been run by a Black African family man. I put my full name on the homepage. Within five seconds, you will know this is a a Black man, and this is a Black African man. And so, for me, we talk about imposter syndrome. I then, t- I then, after some time, ticked off the name thing and the identity thing. But then I had a backup of experience. I'd been working in financial services for 13 years in investment management across my entire working career in all forms of asset management, investment businesses, and venture capital. So, I had a ton of experience. I wasn't concerned about the experience. like I had too much experience, and I had, I had qualifications, first class degree, MBA from Cambridge. I had all these things. But what I didn't have was, and I knew I had a voice because I'm very passionate about my topic, but what I didn't have was the skills, i.e. digital skills. I didn't know how the internet worked. I didn't know how, you know, how you create blogs. I didn't know how you create, you know, content and stuff like that. So I saw the whole thing as a bit of an adventure as a way for me to prove that with two hours per day, I could create something that could change the world, in my opinion. I, I just saw the site as one day, this thing will attract millions of people, but my wife and I had that vision, but making that vision a reality is a whole different thing. It's a ton of work has, has been going in every single day to kind of see what we're seeing today.
1: So two hours a day, that's how you started out to build yes. sort of the YouTube channel of 30K subscribers, You your newsletter, which goes out on a regular basis. And the, Yeah. Wow. Okay, that was amazing. Yeah. The, you see, the thing is, is, I just want to talk about that two hours per
0: day because it's a very interesting, almost... Experiment because everybody who's listening to this can find two hours per day, and I was trying to prove to myself as somebody who is a very busy, a busy chief financial officer, if I I don't quit my job this year to run this full time, I was trying to prove to myself that if I could use two hours per day, I understood. I actually understood an important principle, which is this principle of compounding. I understood that money compounds. So when you put money on money and and money earns a return, that money and the return returns by themselves. And then that carries on building this snowball. So I knew that the same principle applied to time. So if I had two hours per day, I could invest that as though I'm investing, I don't know, 300 pounds per month or 500 pounds per month, I'm investing two hours per day. But what then happens over time is that you then start to build a snowball after one year, after a year and a half, after two years, that though you're still putting two hours in per day into your side hustle or business, this massive snowball kicks in and you start to see a huge compounding effect happening. And so I was putting that to, to test. And so I started with content number one on the site. Every week I'd write one. I started with three pieces of content. Every week I'd be creating, writing, 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 sewing those hours in. And then over time, everything went from a website that had only one page to a website that suddenly had lots of articles and content. And then I started to become more strategic, being more, you know, analyzing competition, analyzing keywords, analyzing, you know, creating epic, what I call epic content, which was which Google likes as a search engine. And then that started to attract eyeballs from different areas. And then, you know, as soon as you start to attract traffic to a website, you then have the opportunity to start to create an actual business. So anyway, yeah, so that's kind of how that how that journey kicked off. And the YouTube channel, which you actually mentioned, only started last summer, by the way. So, yeah, started in May uh, 2019. That's when we actually started creating properly for YouTube. We had a channel. There was nothing on it. I was just dumping all my interviews that I do in various places as a place to host them. But then we actually started creating for that channel last summer, and so it's been interesting also
1: seeing that kind of take off as well. There's one thing that you just mentioned in there as well that you you've gone full time now with Humble Penny. So mm-hmm. you left your your job this year to to start on this on this journey. And like you said, you've worked in some, you've been a CFO, head of finance, FD, mm-hmm. and you've taken the 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 leap within a pandemic. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I yeah. think. Um, one, it's questionable why. Why have you done it now? And two, yes. how have you found that that courage to, to actually take that leap and actually back yourself, which is what you've kind of done to do this now?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful question. So everything we've been talking about on this on this interview is connected. I was only able to make that leap because we were in a in a wonderful place financially. So last last year we paid off the mortgage in this house that I'm interviewing from. Uh, and what happens when you pay off a mortgage is that you your expensive expenses drop radically. And so all you have essentially is your cancel tax, your internet bill, and your food costs and things like that, your light and heat. And so when you have very little expenses but have income coming in from, from various assets, which we do. What you then have is is you've written yourself an option. And options have value. And so I had the option to do what I'm doing now, i.e., the option to say, well, actually, I've got a very I've got a very enviable career path. I could have carried on. I could have gone on to become, you know, the CFO or even, even CEO or, or, or maybe even a FTSE company. Right. I could have gone on and you know, because there are there are not many people like me, not many black men on executive boards. Yeah. You know? There aren't many people who could say he's a chartered accountant, he's got an MBA, he's got 12 13 years experience in financial services, tick, 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 tick. There aren't many people that fit that profile. So I know that, that career path would have like taken me places. But the thing is, that career path is as amazing as it is and as as I found what I was doing very in- interesting. I had a the humble penny had become a much bigger opportunity and a much bigger way for me to have impact in the world. And so I thought well actually there is a big opportunity here. I could carry on running them side by side, one as a side hustle and one as um one as a, my day job. But then the the pandemic hit and I had to homeschool from home. And with homeschooling I've got two boys and a wife who's who's running this thing with me as well. Two, things just got too much if I'm being completely honest because when you when you don't have your work colleagues working with you face to face and you're working remotely and I I had a demanding CFO role which required me to build all kinds of complex you know you know models and scenarios and all kinds of things that I needed to do in my job the, the intensity got too much and I basically had to face up to the reality which is I knew that at some point I needed to take that leap and there isn't there's never a perfect time to take a leap but for me it was a time to have a conversation and Uh, explore doing, taking the risk now to actually back myself fully. That's a really important thing to back yourself fully because not many people believe truly in themselves and what their capabilities are. Not many people do. And so for me, I said to myself, enough now, time for me to actually back myself. And how about doing it during a pandemic and seeing what happens? Because if I can do it in a pandemic, oh my goodness, imagine what I could do when we're outside of this pandemic. And so that was it. I had a conversation, went for a very long walk for two hours. And then I began a new adventure of being a full-time entrepreneur (laughs) and running this thing full-time. When I I say full-time, I really mean
1: probably 20 to 35 hours a week. But but yeah, that's it. That's a very interesting distinction because actually... 35 hours a week for most people is a normal typical week. But well, I'm guessing based on mm-hmm. what you were doing, obviously your background in finance, that's probably half a week because mm-hmm. so normally our hours, what, 60, to 70, 80 hours a week normally hours. Oh, yeah, no. No, we were doing, cri- cri- I mean, a, a good week was 50,
0: 50, 50 hours. So, and one of the things we had as a long-term goal was being able to work. I, I would consider my ideal working hours, maybe 20 hours per week. So four days a week, five hours a day, that would be my ideal because I want to just get involved with fatherhood to build my, my marriage with my wife, but my relationship and to have fun, just enjoy my life and do things. But I still want my income coming in by I want, I want that income coming in passively and coming in from different assets. So that's always been a big focus for me is, is what, in, what interesting ideas could I explore that could become assets that could generate income without me having to necessarily be there. And this is the mindset because financial independence is about—it's a mindset. It's it's about outsourcing money making to assets. It's about saying, well, actually, rather than me swapping my time for money all the time, I could I could actually get some assets to do that a lot of that work for me. And so, for, uh, the humble penny, although on the face of it, is a financial education platform. It's it's actually it's also a a business that needs to be sustainable and generate generates
1: its own income. So you just mentioned having fun and enjoying your life mm-hmm. and when you think about financial independence, in my mind, I go back to one of the most mm-hmm. well known ones which is which is the fire movement, mm-hmm. which we don't know that's what financial independence retire early, yeah, and mm-hmm. a lot of that has been based or something talked about based around frugality, so not a lot of things mm-hmm. you you sacrifice, a lot of things you give up, and people are like, if you're giving up so many things, how do you actually? Live your life. How do you actually have fun? Where so Mm -hmm. talking into? Have you tapped into the five movement at all? Has that been had any basis one as to how you've actually got to where you got to right now? And then two, when you talk about financial independence and having the career path you've had, being able to retire in theory at thirty four and having fun and enjoying life, how does that actually look like?
0: Okay, so we're spokespeople in the UK for the fire movement. We get referenced a lot with the fire movement and lots of the articles. I even had one with Sunday Times last month, I think. Um, and it's been a, a really fun adventure talking about and speaking about this, this particular movement. So you're right in that there's a great deal of focus on frugality, which is interesting, really, because I kind of view it more from the perspective of life simplification, So this thing where you adjust your lifestyle to move away from consumption, to move away from the need of excess consumption. So, you know, everything from what you decide to drive as a car to where you choose to live to what you spend money on ordinarily, what experience, what sort of expenses we spend on food and so on. Um, What we found in our lives, Mary and I, is that Simplifying our lives has not hindered us from having any fun at all. In fact, what it's done is is it's helped us to focus on what we consider to be fun and what we really want to spend money on and why we want to spend money on it. Okay. So for us, for example, we love to travel, although at this very current time we can't really move about that much. But we loved we love to travel. And it's one thing that we we do, we spend time sourcing out, uh, great experiences, not experiences that cost a lot of money, but experiences that do cost money, but but experiences that fit our budget and stuff like that. Um, so financial independence, I think, of, is a, essentially a collection of personal philosophies around money that lead you along the money journey a lot quicker than most people. So when I speak about the money journey, everybody is on essentially a spectrum of what I call the money journey, although most people don't even know they're on a money journey. The people who do know want to move from left to right in that, i.e. moving from, say, living paycheck to paycheck to eventually having some financial some form of financial stability, and then on towards having a form of financial security, and then moving on that money journey towards a level of financial independence. So financial independence for us has been all about moving along that money journey. Uh, And life simplification has been what we've focused on, rather than like this crazy focus on just like almost like you're suffering. People When I hear people talk about it, people think, oh, yeah, you think you're you're basically not spending any money on anything, which is not really... That's actually the wrong focus. Uh, It's about deciding what you spend money on and why you spend money on things and prioritizing specific experiences because everybody's journey is different. Every single person's journey towards a a form of freedom financially is different. There isn't a one-size-fits-all, although the the strategies for getting there can be quite similar. So how have...
1: You simplified your life. And I also want to throw in there as well, you mentioned budgeting quite a bit. Do you partake in any impulse buys whatsoever? I struggle to impulse buy, to be honest. I, I make a case for
0: things and I run them through my wife. If that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> be, because our money's pooled in our home. So we, we don't have a his money and her money kind of situation. We have Uh, a family pot. And so the other day, we bought our kids some remote control cars. We didn't plan for that. They just, actually, we we had some incentives around reading at home. They had to read seven chapter books for the month of August. And for reading those chapter books, they could pick a remote control car and buy it. That was not budgeted, we just did it because <laughs> like it's just we, we could we could do it right um, but we, we we really respect the budget as a tool, because if you don't give respect to the budget, then you find yourself very quickly living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, the number one reason why most people are unable to move ahead financially is because they um, they are in a, in a, unable right to control their cash flow. By cash flow, I mean the inflow of money and outflow of money from their lives. And the reason they're unable to do that is because they don't have a control in place. And by control, I mean a tool that helps them to fight the resistance. And the tool that that helps you to do that effectively is an effective budget. And I know this well as a chief financial officer, you know, historically, because I, you know, I create budgets for the businesses I've, I've worked with. And when people think about budgeting, they have to think about budgeting beyond expenses. Budgeting also budgeting also relates to your income. So how are you, what's your plan around making more income, not just distributing the income that you generate already? What's the plan around how you're going to potentially make more um, to help you accelerate your
1: goals? As a husband and as a father, how have you navigated your journey? And the reason why I ask that is, so when you, you said at the start, when you went on this journey, Mary, your wife, came on board with you after a while. So you started that in your, in your mindset first. So how have those kind of conversations gone from when you first started going out to being married, to being a father, to where you are right now, running humble penny? How have you, how you managed to, to do that?
0: Sorry, from what perspective, just to make sure I've understood, from, the, from a marital perspective or from a...
1: From a marital perspective, because there are times when, as as a man, for example, when you might have thoughts in your head that you want to go yeah. down a particular mm-hmm. path, and then you start thinking, how do I actually navigate this with my okay. with my partner? If we had a completely different conversation when we first met to where we're currently going right now, how does that actually work? Okay, so what's interesting is, is
0: that, and this is the point, one thing that's been quite unique about me and Mary is that, we went through a marriage preparation process. So we didn't just like decide one day we're going to get married and then just went ahead and got engaged and then just got married. We actually went through a process of understanding each other properly. And we did this through actually Mary's Mary's church at the time uh, of going through the key areas of our lives to understand what our thoughts were around those areas and what our kind of philosophies were and what our goals were in those areas, so everything from um, talking about money, talking about in-laws, talking about sex, even talking about basically all the key pillars that you, people will kind of face up to in a, in a relationship. And all of that happened. I if I remember correctly, I think it was for about 10 weeks before a 10 week period, even before we uh, went through the process of actually getting married and what that did, or as I mentioned that, and the reason I mentioned that is, is what that helped us to do is it helped to encourage a culture within our relationship of communication. So we talk a lot about what our dreams are and what our goals are as a couple. And that what we, when we talk about it from that perspective, it's connected to our what we consider to be our family vision. So what's helped what that what, what that's done for us is meant is, that is, is, whenever I wanted to do something, whenever Mary wanted to do something, we'd talk about it. You know, I would think about how can we support each other in this direction that we're trying to take. So when I had this itch for starting something to do with the Humble Penny, for example, that became the Humble Penny, we talked about it and Mary found a way to support me completely by using by using her creative skills. So if you go on the Humble Penny, every single blog post you read has a, has a graphic image in it. That graphic image is there primarily to promote that, that piece of content. But that graphic image you see there is created by my wife. So every single image has her input in some way, every single piece of content, because it's her way of contributing, it's her way of supporting. When we started off and now she does it, you know, this is her full-time thing. So uh, she's, you know, the other other half of the humble penny and we run this full-time now together. But my point essentially is, is that communicating with each other has helped, you know, and continues to help uh, and the way we found to do that better is just to have small conversations so it could be that you go for a walk outside um it could be that you just make a cup of tea and just just have a chat about stuff the one thing we don't do at home at the at the minute we haven't done for quite a while is is we don't really watch we don't watch normal tv like with our tvs our tv doesn't really we don't even have like you know the packages that people have those those packages and what, that, what that's helped us to do is, is that's just shifted our focus from sitting down as a couple and staring at a TV screen all the time, but just talking about stuff. And, and I think conversations in a lot of relationships are missing. There are many missing conversations. And I think the, the shift towards having small conversations is, a, is actually a game changer in just helping couples progress and in helping them achieve their goals. So how do you
1: separate business and work if you're working together or still closely together
0: so we have different rooms that we work from so that's <laughs> so that's one thing that's one thing uh because you can get on top. you can you can um you can annoy each other if you are in the same space all the time so it helps that you know in our home we can operate from different places. We also have different roles that we play. So my wife plays more of a creative role in what we do. Uh, so she kind of leads our marketing and leads our content creation from that perspective, whereas I, I play more of a, almost a cheerleading role. It's probably the best way to put it. So I'm kind of more more in front and I've gotten more comfortable being in front of the camera and Mary's getting more comfortable gradually in being in front of the camera as well so yeah so we try to have different roles that we play uh, and agree things in advance as well Um, just agree what we're working on Uh, so like this week for example we've had our week i'm just if it's okay i'm just going to tell you kind of how we schedule our week if that's helpful to anybody but mondays we call youtube mondays tuesdays are blogging tuesdays wednesdays is fja which is our academy academy wednesdays thursdays are all about marketing and fridays are for admins sponsorships speaking to you know other businesses replying to emails and things like that and then weekends weekends we have off so this is how this is a new program we're actually starting we've started running this week because uh or a new process we're running this week because previously we found that our schedule was all over the place we found that work was creeping into our weekends and we were then struggling to make you know create time for each other and time for children in the way that we want it to. So we're attempting now to always have these things as silos and on specific days and focus on uh, focus on delivering uh, our work that Very way. Nice.
1: And as a parent, what would you say, how would you say that's helped you grow as, as a man and as a husband and as actually in your business as well?
0: You mean the way we structured our business, how that's helped me grow or...
1: I mean, the way being a parent, what skills have actually been a parent helped you? What can you take from being a parent?
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Parenting parenting is tough because I, wow, I just wish there was a manual out there for being a parent, but... Uh, we 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 found parenting really 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 challenging because it's just it's just it's just very unpredictable and so that unpredictability is something that we see in many aspects of business as well because you just you just a lot of the time don't know what's coming down the down the line or down the pipe as it were. I think what one thing parenting has taught me is patience. So with small children, it's very very easy to tell children off. For, for stuff. And I'm learning to be more patient in negotiating with my kids. I've got kids who, or we've got kids rather, who are very outspoken and they will find ways to negotiate for things. I'll give you an example. I was talking about earlier that we were we had this ch- this book challenge for the month of August where they had to read seven chapter books. And for that, they, they had this reward, which is that they could buy an RC car, a remote control car. But our kids somehow managed to negotiate with us and say that, well, actually, if we read three and a half books, can you order the car on Amazon so we can actually see it? And then once we've seen the car, then we will have the motivation to keep reading the other three and a half books to get to seven. Now, that for me was required patience because I'm like, as a dad, I'm thinking, well, what are you on about? Like, I'm your dad. Go, go and just do it. Like, we've we've told you what to do. Like. Why? Why are you trying to negotiate with us? Why are you trying to strike a deal? Just go and read the seven books. Come and tell us what the books are about, and what you know. We'll ask you questions, then we'll 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 decide. But the thing you find is is that it's very it's very. Uh, I, I found it. I found a bit of a learning curve in in accepting that my my way of thinking isn't always the best way of thinking and my kids have challenged me from that perspective in that like just because i think ordering the set reading the seven books and then you get the reward at the end is my way of doing it it doesn't mean it's the only way of doing it why don't i open up my mind to maybe negotiating with my five and seven year olds who have come to negotiate with me and mary as a team they've they've actually thought about it come up with a strategy so why don't i move with the times and be more flexible and so that for me is a good example of how parenting has is helping me in business. It's really taught me patience. It's taught me flexibility, and it's taught me this this thing around negotiating. Because negotiating skills are one of the kind of the top soft skills that you could ever have. Really, so learning to negotiate such that both parties still arrive at a at a good outcome is is like a win-win. Uh, and that example with our kids is is a very good one because it's a real life example. You know, it's not like it, it, these things just show up and you've got to learn to almost come up with an answer, come up with a way forward, come up with a resolution on the spot and um, and move forward, you know, without missing opportunities. So, that, that I'd say that would be uh, a really good example. Uh, also, another thing from parenting is juggling many things at the same time. You know, with, as a parent, like there's just so much you have to handle. So it's so much income and fire. I think it's probably the best way to describe it. And I find the same. It's the same with business. You know, because um, you're always juggling so many things, but you have to at some point say, "Well, actually." I can't fight every battle at the same time. I've got to somehow have a system for prioritizing what I focus on and when I focus on them. So it's this idea of being able to filter the activities that are in your life and being able to put in place certain processes and even systems that help you deal with them. So I just talked to you about my schedule for the week, for example. That schedule for the week came about because – uh, we'll ju- we're juggling too many things and if we don't give priority to certain activities we just wouldn't hit certain deadlines that we've got and achieve certain outcomes
1: you, you grew up in, um, in Nigeria and you came in when you were quite young yeah you compare mm-hmm. your growing up there and your cultural background to how you're raising your kids now is there a massive difference in both huge huge
0: huge the huge differences uh, I'll tell you why. Growing up, I did not have the thing where you were hugging your kids or like my parents were coming, oh, give me hugs and kisses or even saying I love you and things like that. Because the, it just wasn't the, the culture. It didn't mean that they didn't love me. Of course they did. But it just wasn't how it was done. But I find that I'm a lot closer to our children because there's that intimacy there. Their, their daily hugs. We have daily prayers. Uh, we have daily kind of rituals and routines. Reading, playing out in the garden, going out for a bike ride, writing, sitting down to eat together, telling stories, showing them what we do on the humble penny, so they can see behind the scenes, sharing like how the business works. Like these things. Like I, I didn't have a single. Like if I think very carefully, I don't I just don't remember having a single one of these sort of interactions between kind of the parent and the child. It was almost as though the parent was this higher being and the child was this lower being, and they were not on the same wavelength or and couldn't have conversations on the same level when in actual fact like what you should be aiming to do is what i'm finding helpful anyway it's just to have conversations with our children as though like mary and i are talking about stuff you know because that just helps them grow up quite quite quickly in terms of understanding like what's going on and and that sort of stuff so we're being i'd say we're being more intentional as parents i'd say it's what we're finding like we're being so kind of you know, what, what do we, what sort of ex- life experiences would we want our children to have? Like, for example, like learning language is one. You know, like Mary, my wife, is from the Yoruba tribe. And I'm from the Igbo tribe in Nigeria. So we've got that challenge of differences in culture, like how do we teach our children what the cultures, different cultures are? How do we teach them the language? How do we teach them about black his, Black history, African history, Nigerian history? How do we actually teach them those things? Because we're we're in a different environment. We're growing up in a different world. Although we're Brits and the kids are born in this country, Mary was born here, we have cultural differences and we have, we're ultimately uh, a a Nigerian family. And we have to, you know, especially in these times where there's a, a great shift towards people kind of seeking out and understanding their identities a lot more. I'd say there's just a bigger there's a bigger move to us really kind of getting back to our core. Like for example, I just love to know more about like my grandfather, my forefathers and like, like what were they doing back then? What were their careers and so on? What kind of stuff were they getting up to? There's just more of a focus on what I describe as uh, selective education, kind of like choosing what your being very specific about alternative education that your children have outside of kind of what they learn, you know, at school. Oh, and there's the point also about getting involved with what the kids are learning. Like when I was growing up, there was more of a, I had to kind of work things out myself. My parents, I, I, I got sent off to, to boarding school, as you do in, in a lot of schools in, in Nigeria, in Lagos, where I was. And, and I had to figure stuff out at the age of 12, you know, between 12 and age of 15. You know, you just had to kind of work stuff out yourself. And there wasn't really an involvement from the parents. I.e., like parents were not, they were not really, they didn't really fully grasp what was going on and like what people were learning and what we were learning but in our lives today i just feel like we're so we're so connected to what our kids are learning and it just gives us the opportunity to just talk about it and understand where they're struggling and where we can support them a bit better and stuff like that so there are quite there are huge differences i'm seeing between kind of how we're doing it and how our parents did
1: one thing you t- you've just touched on there when we talk about culture and understanding our culture um, as black people and I found i flowing flow into that a little bit going back to what you you currently do because with financial um independence we know about the fact that there's a lot of wage disparities pay disparities with the black community how do we achieve that financial independence that you you talk about when you have Social economic issues when you have the systematic racism that we have in, in, as we have in the UK that we're talking about right now, how do people from the deprived and low-income backgrounds start to build and have that psyche, that mindset of developing a financial independent mindset?
0: Yeah, so I think the fact that we're even talking about it in, the, in these times we're in is a huge win. So we've all we've all been aware that there are huge systematic issues in place uh, huge kind of deliberate attempts to hold people down and I almost see financial independence as it's as a form of a defiance to find your own place and build your own way and there's a lot of education that comes with that that mindset so speaking of disparities I think one of, the, one of the most important things to be able to do is to be able to get some data on disparities and on things that exist in our societies. Because with data, with some form of data, and a lot of the times there aren't data sources, but we, we have to create the data. But with data, you can start to speak up. And data could be as small as you work somewhere. You know your white colleagues or your some other colleagues are getting paid for the same sort of job that you're doing a lot more than you are, right? In these times, I think we just need to start to speak up more on a personal level about those things. Well, speak about speak about it from not from an aggressive place, but from a place where you're trying to get to a solution. Some of the things that I've personally found is, is that on my journey speaking of my corporate career for example where i've spoken up about things things have have been in many cases changed or some moves have been made towards trying to change things so there needs to be this this need to constantly speak up about things as we see them you know which again is tight is tied to leadership in many ways because when i think about leadership uh, there's a, there's a need to to do the right thing and to speak up for for things when you see when you see things not being right. Thinking about our community, I think there's a there's a need for overall acceptance that our current positions, our current individual positions can be improved. And this is a mindset thing. And I talk about this as somebody who moved to the UK with my family with absolutely nothing. So there is a need to accept that situations can change. there will always be disparities in income in many ways there will always be that doesn't mean the gap will not be closed but there will always be those disparities. but the point I'm making here is, is is when you can't solve a problem in one way, think about other ways that you can solve them. So I'll give you an example. We need more people running their own shows, running their own businesses, running their own projects, taking ownership for things from our community. Yeah. So doing it through the job route is not the only way to seek progress in an area, yeah, which is why when I talk about financial independence, it's different for everybody. You could you could you could start to potentially create value by running your own business. And running your own business is not by any means easy, but it's one way that you can close that this that gap that we talk about because you can you can start to create value and deliver results and create your own earnings.
1: How, let two do things. If you're currently living paycheck to paycheck, how do you mm-hmm. develop that mindset like you just talked about now to be like, actually, I can start my own business. I can start to create value because when you're in that situation as it is currently, it's kind of hard for you to see further down the line, to see things slightly differently and i know mm-hmm. some people said in the past that when people talk about financial independence it's people who had a lot of money to start off with and all that kind of stuff and that's not your 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 story you you started off <laughs> as a top shop assistant and you walked your way through the last 10 years so how do people yeah. actually start to move yeah. forward and think differently when they're living paycheck to paycheck so a big thing is association
0: so by that i mean who you actually spend time with matters. So it's, and I understand that being in a place where you're living paycheck to paycheck is hugely challenging and it's hard for you to see ahead of you. you. That's fine. But it starts by actually having, surrounding yourself with people who are doing some of the things that you want to do. So I mentioned earlier that we run a thing called Financial Joy Academy, and a big focus on that is creating supportive community. By that, I mean an environment where people feel okay to talk about their problems and not be judged. But secondly, people feel they can connect with people of like-mindedness in order for them to be able to lift from a from a, a motivation and mindset perspective, be able to lift themselves forward by being able to take steps. The other point to make around living paycheck to paycheck is around goal setting. Because you see, the paycheck to paycheck thing is just a a particular place on the money journey. It doesn't mean that's where you're going to remain. It's just where you are right now. And I think setting goals around how you break away from living paycheck to paycheck, remember, think about what paycheck to paycheck actually means. It means that you do not have any any savings, and each month when you make your income, most of that income disappears off to pay off debt or to pay off other expenses. So for anyone living paycheck to paycheck, the game plan should be, how do I break away from here and build up, say, my first three months worth of uh, expenses saved, i.e. savings for about three months? And if one does not have that game plan for being able to do that, and the only way you can do it, by the way, is by a focus on reducing uh, current expenses or by increasing income, which then brings me to my third point around creativity, because this is one that not a lot lot of people talk about. Creativity is necessary for people to to increase their incomes, like for you to do things differently and create opportunity. You need to engage in built creativity, and I think this is something that everybody can actually activating their lives. I talk a great deal about, this is why I like teaching people how to start their own blogs or how to start their own YouTube channels or how to maybe explore running their own membership programs because these things are skills that I've learned by exploring my own creativity. Yeah. And when you explore creativity, what's interesting about it is that you can create unique opportunities because Often, you can leverage your personal brand. You can leverage your own storytelling. You can leverage your own life experiences. You can use all those together with your existing skills to create unique opportunities. And those unique opportunities, provided they're solving some problem or helping people uh, move forward in some way, you can then start to get paid for making those things happen. So my point is, People need to be aware that there's inbuilt creativity. I suffered from this a lot as somebody who was mainly a numbers person, a trained accountant. I never saw myself as a creative. Oh, come on. An accountant who's creative? Like, what planet are you from? I never saw myself like that. But I had to believe that I had inbuilt creativity. Yeah, and on a very personal level, I believe that because I I, I believe I'm made in the image of God. That's my, that, you know, that, that's a separate topic. But that's kind of my thing, which is I'm made in an image of a, of a creative God, which means that if I've got this inbuilt thing, perhaps what I need to do is kind of work my creativity muscles. And so this whole adventure of running my own blog and running my own YouTube and running a lot of all this stuff is me actually exploring my creativity and getting comfortable with calling myself a creative person. And I think people who are living paycheck to paycheck. Outside of the not being able to see ahead of you, people can begin by exploring their creativity. It could be they use an existing skill. It could be like you explore a, a hobby or explore a passion and you make something. You, it could be a baker. It could be somebody who, who knits. And you could be, it could be anything. It could be somebody who loves music and who makes beats, right? It could be anything that you've got, but there you're actually exploring your creativity. And by doing that, you create unique opportunities. So true. How much true.
1: How much impact has Faith had in your journey? You mentioned it throughout the interview oh,
0: oh, oh, bro, all through my, my entire life, faith has been a constant. And by that, I mean, it's a pillar and a foundation in my life. So I, I do everything or I try to do everything from the perspective of, um, considering my faith, you know, so, um, we, for example, approach money from you know from a uh, a place of integrity and from a place of transparency all 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 because of our our that that foundation of our faith because faith for me has been something that's helped to build my core values and and my outlook on life in terms of what I consider to be a priority and how I choose to engage with people. Um, what I choose to say in the public domain and what I choose not to say in the public domain, how I choose to be a husband, how I choose to contribute to family life, uh, how I choose to engage for a place of integrity in business, how I choose not to engage in certain activities, you know, for example, promoting gambling, promoting all sorts of things, how I choose not to focus on those areas because they just don't align with, with my, um, my chosen value system, um, how I choose in creating opportunities and in approaching sales and marketing and all these things are connected to my faith because I almost see that as the faith, the faith creates a a, a reflect that's it, my the, the things you see in my life, the, the almost the fruits that I create in my life are created because of an inbuilt belief. Um that I you know, that I develop every single day. So my my my, my core belief is, is as a as a Christian man, um is a is a top priority in my life. It's just something that I know not a lot of people are people of faith these days. You know, faith has become a it's become a I don't know, a choice for a lot of people and that's and that's fine. But for me and for my wife and for my household it's a it's a it's a big deal. It's something that we rank we rank above pretty much everything else, you know, it's, it's right at the very top, um, before we even like speak about certain things that we want to go into, we, we, the faith subjects, our core belief, and to be absolutely specific here, our belief in God and a, a, you know, a God who provides actually ranks above everything else. That's kind of how we view it, but that's a personal view, you know, this is not something that everybody might relate to, but it's something that we we consider it to be absolutely core to our personal lives. I really like that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that But Yeah, <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> um, so before we, we wrap up, I want to jump into some, some quick-fire questions. Yeah, um, yeah. Who would you say has, been, has influenced you the most on your journey? Goodness me.
0: My mum. My mum. Uh, my mum is a strong woman, hugely entrepreneurial. In fact, the most entrepreneurial person I know, um, hugely supportive. I've had huge support from my dad and huge love from my dad, but the entrepreneurial zeal has come from my mom.
1: And what's the biggest lesson you've learned so far?
0: That's, That's a good question. That's such a big question. Biggest lesson, of gosh, I've learned so many things. I would say one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that you, you create the life that you see, you can create the life that you see. Okay. You don't have to accept a, a default life that you feel that you're living through. You can have a vision for your life and bring that vision into reality.
1: What would, you say you're, what would you say are the top three guiding principles or values that you have? You've mentioned values a number of times. So I just wanted to know what those top three. Top three are honesty, integrity, and
0: transparency. What does success actually mean to you? It, it means getting to a stage in my life where I feel that what I'm doing is fully aligned to what I believe in. And I'm, I'm living a bold life. I'm, I'm being bold and daring in my life and having fun whilst doing it. And the final question would be, what do you want your legacy to be? <laughs> I want to be able to cause a massive ripple effect in family, family homes from a financial perspective where they create, they, families achieve financial independence. And as a result of achieving financial independence, they become catalysts for change in their communities and in our society and so on, because they understand money, they use money as a tool, and they become catalysts. So they don't just get there and become and become financial independence, but it becomes the beginning of a new life adventure where they become catalysts for much bigger, much bigger than that. That, that for me, will be... An incredible life legacy, and then I'm, just talking, I'm not just talking about from the UK perspective. I'm talking like like going back to my roots, going back to Nigeria, you know, going back to Africa. I'm looking like you know, even if, if beyond that, you know, you know, in influencing families really from from a, a global perspective would be absolutely epic. And this is kind of what we are, we are starting starting to see gradually.
1: And I'm. Um... Gonna actually agree with that and say that uh, when it comes to what Ken and your wife Mary are doing with the humble Ben, it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you. Because you to actually live in what you're practicing, people can actually see the representation there. You feel that void. Seeing a black man talk about financial independence in the UK doesn't happen like you talked about, but you've seen that happening. you given that a lot of free knowledge, value from your YouTube channel to your Instagram account to your blog post, and you're just actually on this mission to help families grow in a new and radical way, which is absolutely to see.
0: Yeah. And I just want to add, first of all, I want to say huge thanks to you for saying that and huge thanks for having me on this, on this platform. I just want to say to people that you see when you have something that you believe in so much and you're so passionate about, because you can see, although people might not see it, but you have this vision that you can see, we've got this idea of helping 10,000 families at least, but we you can see it, it's actually quite hard to deliver on it. There's so much work that goes in, like tireless effort. Um, but the beauty is, is when you get that email from somebody saying, this is how you're changing my life, you're thinking, gosh, I had somebody from Somalia yesterday. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, in, I'm here in Kent. I've got somebody in Somalia, in Somalia, writing into me. To tell me how we're changing their lives. People from all over the world—from whether it's from uh, bits in Africa, whether it's from Nigeria, in Tanzania, people in the UK, obviously, people—even people from Australia, people in New Zealand—it's absolutely insane. And I just want to add the reason that's that's possible outside of our passion, our drives, our um, ambition—it's possible. Not uh, apart from the grace, I should mention that's critical, but it's possible because of the internet. So I want to leave everybody with that final thought. If you are thinking about what you want to do in your life right now, especially in these current times, may I suggest doing something that means that you are leveraging the infinite, almost infinite power of the internet and the possibilities that come with the internet. Because that's what we're seeing, you know, we do our work and then that work gets distributed all over the world because of the possibilities of the internet.
1: And what would the best place for people to tap into that resource of work you just talked about?
0: Okay, so um, so we have free and premium content. So free content, which is absolutely amazing content, head over to the humble penny go to YouTube and just type The Humble Penny in the search. Our channel comes up and you can just consume and binge watch, which is the, the phrase I hear a lot. People use a lot when they message me They say, Ken, we're binge watching your content. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Take a photo and send it to me. <laughs> so you can go to YouTube. You can also go to the humblepenny.com. This is our blog. There's so much free resource on there as well. We run Financial Joy Academy at financialjoyacademy.com, which is where we run our membership program, which is a paid program to help families achieve financial independence. You can check that out. Apart from that, you can simply head over to Instagram, which is where we have a bit of fun. Go at the humble penny on Instagram. And yeah, we'd love you to, you know, to follow, you know, if you love what we do and and support us that way.
1: Brilliant. Ken, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Everyone's going to dial into that. I'm going to put all those links that you just talked about in the show notes as well. So you can check them out there. This is Everyday Leadership. Great. Thank you so much. No pleasure, All. Don't forget, I have show notes on my website, everydayleadership.bussprout.com. So check that out. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe and tell someone else. Appreciate your support. I'll see you next time. This is Everyday Leadership.